0: Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew sixteen, thirteen to 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you bind on, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Blessed be the reading of God's word.
1: Our text today is often seen uh, as an affirmation of Peter in a lot of ways. You know, Jesus affirms Peter and acknowledges him and how great it was that he, uh, re, you know, identified Jesus as uh, the Messiah and the Son of God. Um, and in fact, among our Catholic brothers and sisters, this is the text that they lean on as uh, uh, the, the place they go to to talk about uh, the the Pope's asc- ascension, you know, the Popes go all the way back to Peter. Peter is uh, ordained here as the first Pope, all the way up to uh, our current Pope now. So they kind of look to this and and see this as uh, Peter being ordained as the first Pope, given the kings of the kingdom and things to that effect. Uh, that's we have. We have less concern about those things here in the Baptist faith, but <laughs> but uh, it, it's often a commendation of Jesus's or of uh, Peter's faith here, and he gets uh, he gets lifted up in this regard. Uh, for many, of this is kind of about the church. In fact, uh, Matthew here, this is one of only two places where the the Greek word for church, ecclesia, is used in uh in all of the gospels it's one of only two places where that actual word the word church actually comes up ecclesia uh and and as i said before it's kind of about peter's faith but for me today as i'm reading it what stands out to me is that it is really in matthew it really focuses in on who jesus is and what jesus is about in the, in, in the biz we call this christology whenever you're talking about who is jesus and this matthew here seems to have an agenda of telling us who jesus is in this particular part and it kind of comes uh at a time when um you know people are still kind of uncertain even the disciples are kind of uncertain about who jesus is they always seem a little confused you remember a few weeks ago we talked about or i guess it was last week we talked about Jesus in the boat and calming the storm. Everyone was kind of like, wow, who is this guy? So they seem a little uh, concerned. The only people who actually know who Jesus are in the, in the Matthew's Gospel seem to be uh, demons or Gentiles. Gentiles seem to have no problem acknowledging uh, Jesus' place in the world. And uh, certainly the demons all seem to, when Jesus is about ready to cast them out, they seem to know uh, who Jesus is. And in this, uh, in this passage, it is Jesus who asks the central question. Who do people think I am? And, uh, you know, they, they throw out their best guess. Some say John the Baptist. You know, they cover themselves. Some, mother, some people say that you are John the Baptist. Some people say you are Elijah. Some people say you're a prophet. Some people say you're just a pain in the neck. Right some people think you 're a heretic, some people think you 're this, some people think you 're that, but then he asks this question, "Well, who do you say I am?" talking to his disciples, who do you think I am? Forget those people, who do you think i am well and, and Jesus goes on in matthew he he calls himself and he says, "Who do you say the Son of man is and i 'll talk more about that in a minute, but And this is when Peter steps up. Of course, Peter's always the first to open his mouth. Uh, And in particular, Matthew loves Peter. Matthew's all about Peter. So you see see Peter getting lifted up quite a bit in the Gospel of Matthew. And Peter steps up and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And of course, Peter gets gets commended there for uh, coming into that. And in fact, in this passage... As I said a minute ago, Jesus is called by three different significant titles, Christologically significant. That's another in-the-biz term there. So one, of course, is this Son of Man, which uh, Jesus refers to himself. Who do they say the Son of Man is? And this term in, uh, in the Bible, in Greek, kind of has two different meanings. The first meaning is just, uh, it's a way of referring to people. Hey, look at that Son of Man, he's looking pretty good today, right? Look at that son of man. He's parked in the wrong spot. Those guys, you know, it's just, it's a way of, it's another way of saying human being, right? Uh, uh, Someone who is human. And so it's almost as if Jesus is saying, who, who do the people say this human is? Talking about himself. Uh, However, there are other points within the Bible that, that, that it that that term becomes a title and it comes out of daniel 7 13 through 14 it says this as i watched in the night visions and this is daniel is having all these visions about the empires that are uh subjugating god's people and running roughshod across you know palestine and taking over the place and he's daniel's had these visions about these Monsters that have done that. These creatures that represent these different empires that have at various times subjugated the people of God. And he comes to this point. He says, As I watched in the night visions, I saw one like a human being. And that's how it's translating. One like a son of man uh, being, uh, coming on the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancient one and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting, is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. And his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. So you can see how uh, the followers of Christ see that in Jesus as, the, as taking on this title as the Son of Man, that is, this king whose dominion will have no end, who gets his authority from the Ancient One, that is, the Ancient One is God, uh, gets his authority from the Ancient One. And so, as people began to anticipate the Messiah's coming, this term out of Daniel became a title for the king as well. And I'll say this, that sometimes in the New Testament, it seems like Jesus is using it as just saying I'm a human and in other places in the New Testament it seems like he's saying I am this title this son of man this guy in Daniel is who I'm referring to because every time he says son of man I'm I guarantee you the original hearers their mind goes back to Daniel and they think of this king that they were expecting the other term that comes up is uh, you are the Messiah you are the Christ that's the same word in two different languages. The Hebrew Messiah, the Greek Christ, it means the same thing. And it, uh, it, there were several messiahs in the Bible, actually. David was a messiah, and the word literally means the anointed one. And David was one such anointed person who was referred to as the messiah. And, and it is this title that is given to the expected king, again, similar to the one from Daniel. It's this expected king who would come out of the line of David, who would come from God, who would vanquish the oppressors and return the Hebrew people to glory. There was this whole expectation around what the Messiah would be. And they were picturing, I can guarantee you they weren't picturing Jesus, a poor carpenter with, uh, you know, wearing rags and getting dirty and hanging out with poor people and prostitutes and tax collectors. That is not the Messiah anyone was expecting, which is all the more significant that Peter here, it makes it all the more significant that Peter acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah. It's as if Peter is saying, in you I see all of those expectations coming, coming true, coming out. Uh, and so that's the other thing. The other title that Peter gives him here is the Son of the Living God. Not just a son of man, not just a human king, but the manifestation of God in Christ. Again, in the biz, we call this the incarnation, right? From God and in substance, God. Uh, as, As some of the creed writers have said in ancient times, The incarnation is God. That is, God in human form. In other words, this is the way I like to see it. What we see in Jesus, the fullness of God. We see the fullness of God in the person Jesus Christ. Amen? So Matthew brings all of these titles together to to mark in this passage a new understanding on the part of the disciples. They had been... They had been kind of stumbling along this entire time, and they never quite got it. Like I said, demons got it. Uh, Gentiles seemed to get it. But uh, the disciples and certainly the Pharisees and the religious people of the time completely missed it. But here we see that the disciples are finally starting to understand, wait a minute, you are what we have been expecting. It's packaged different. It doesn't quite like, you know, we were expecting maybe a horse with a sword and, and you know, an army of some sort. It, but, but we are starting to see, the disciples are saying to themselves, we are starting to see that there is something significant here and that all of our expectations of what that king was going to do can be found in who you are. Jesus. The disciples are finally keying in on that. And I want to say uh, that, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of different names. Uh, in the Bible, Jesus is, is called a great many things as well. For example, John at Jesus' baptism sees Jesus and declares, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in this, John sees Jesus as the Paschal Lamb of Passover. Uh, Jesus is Lord, many have exclaimed. And you know I, I can't I I can't overemphasize, or I it would I would be remiss if I didn't bring up that there was a a little bit of a political statement going on here too, because there were there was someone else who shared these titles of Lord, Savior, uh, Son of God, Messiah. There's someone else who had those exact same titles. Caesar had those exact same titles. And so if Jesus is Lord that means that caesar is not so go around calling jesus lord back in the day ended you up in prison or on a cross somewhere right hanging and so so these were these were strong words to acknowledge jesus as lord was a very significant thing it meant it meant that caesar was not uh, jesus is savior jesus saves me right and there are many ways to use this. One that is familiar is to say that Jesus came to save the world by dying on the cross. That's kind of, We've all kind of heard that, and it's actually become kind of shorthand to say Jesus is the Savior, to acknowledge those things. However, it's more, it, it, it is more accurate to look uh, to the Zacchaeus story and to see that when Jesus declares that salvation has come to this house, remember Zacchaeus, the guy up in the tree, And took Jesus home. He was a tax collector. Nobody liked him. And uh, when he got home, he says, declares that salvation has come to this house. And it means that he has helped Zacchaeus turn his life around and move in a completely different direction. And certainly when I called Jesus savior, this is my experience that, that I was on a path and Jesus came along and moved me in a completely different direction. And I was saved. Amen. Maybe many of us have had that same experience. And the other part of the Bible that I think points to this is that Jesus goes on to say that He came to seek and save those who are lost, those who lack direction, those who are confused, those who are, are in the dark and need to find their way out of that darkness into the light. Jesus comes and saves them from that darkness and puts them on a, on a new path toward the light. In John, again, Jesus is the good shepherd. And he uses this metaphor to describe Jesus as a guide and a protector who leads us to pasture and keeps us from the the thief who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10 says that. But I have come that you may have life. Uh, Jesus is called rabbi, which is a Hebrew word for teacher. And over and over, in fact, this is the most, when the disciples talk about Jesus or to Jesus, this is the most used title they have for him, is they call him teacher. They call him rabbi. And the Pharisees, too, when they were trying to suck up and were gilding the lily a little bit, they would call Jesus rabbi as well. And uh, Of course, Jesus didn't buy it, but uh, they would acknowledge that, too. Uh, John calls Jesus the light of the world, the one who shows us the way to the kingdom of God. Jesus is the liberator who sets the captives free from their bondage and Jesus demonstrates this in, in, in His healing, uh, especially when uh, there's a you know, demon-possessed child or something like that, and Jesus casts out the demons. He's, he's the liberator. Amen? Jesus is a healer, the one who returns us to wholeness when something has gone amiss and something is missing. And I don't mean just physically healing, but spiritual healing you know, the, that makes us whole even when our bodies are not. Amen? Jesus is a servant who washed the disciples' feet. And later on, the church would articulate that Jesus was the second person of the Trinity and the incarnation of God. That is, that the fullness of God is revealed in, in these three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was that God the Son. The birth narratives. Borrow from Isaiah to describe Jesus as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Amen. You guys can amen every once in a while. These are good. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. <laughs> Hymnity. If you to open up your hymnal, has described Jesus in a lot of different ways. Oh, Christ the solid rock I stand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. What a friend we have in Jesus, right? Uh, uh, Jesus' friend to sinners. That's a good one. Uh, his name is wonderful, Jesus, priceless treasure, hope of the world. Hallelujah! What a Savior! I know that my Redeemer lives, Emmanuel, God with us. Another birth narrative thing. Jesus, lover of my soul, uh, Majesty. It's a bad song, but it makes the point. Majesty. <laughs> uh, and one of the one of the songs we sing here is uh, my, uh, my Jesus, my the beautiful sweet sweet song my sweet sweet song I love that song that describes Jesus in this way and the reality for us today is that for the disciples Jesus represented all of the hopes and expectations that they had for what God would do in the world and the Christ that lives in us today cannot be articulated with just one box or one particular language who Jesus is, is dynamic and flowing. We serve a risen Savior, amen? That, uh, who is in the world today, and I know that He is living, whatever men may say, that this living Christ is dynamic and flowing and becomes very personal, very different for each person because He becomes the metaphor for God's activity in the world and in our lives. Amen? Amen? And really, here's here's where I'm going with this, is I want to invite all of us today to embrace Jesus as that metaphor, as that symbolism that is most important to you. Who do you say He is? Who is Jesus for you? And I think it's important for us each to kind of articulate that. What is your metaphor Uh, my good friend Tim Phillips who's the pastor of uh, First Baptist Church in Seattle was the guy that married my lovely bride and I a few months ago Uh, he when when we uh, got together to get married he asked us what's your metaphor for your relationship and he does this when he does he puts a lot of effort and a lot more efforts into weddings than I do he asked the couple, "What's your what is a metaphor that describes your relationship?" And he, he gets a lot of answers. Our metaphor was the, was the song, "Here Comes the Sun." Right? And that's why it was what my beautiful wife walked down the aisle to, right? As, "Here Comes the Sun." And he he we kind of thought about that and and do that. So, Jesus, what's the metaphor for your relationship with Jesus? What is God Who is Jesus in your life? And what are the activities that God through Christ is doing? How can you articulate the role Jesus plays for you in this world? What language would you use? Because sometimes I think our language becomes a problem. Like we get stuck in this ancient churchy language uh, uh, sometimes and it 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 becomes meaningless. Sometimes the words we use become meaningless. So I give you permission. Articulate these things in your own new way and use the words that are most meaningful to you. I challenge you to find your own metaphor that really reflects the role Jesus plays in your life. Maybe even write it down. Use it in your prayer life. It is a gift we have that God has not been revealed to us in abstraction, but that God has been revealed to us in a tangible person, Jesus the Christ. And yet to say we worship the living Christ is to say that the role of Jesus is in our lives can move and change and, and grow and evolve. That's what we mean when we say Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. And Lord and Savior are some of those metaphors that that maybe has lost meaning. We don't have many lords here in America, although yeah, I wonder sometimes. But so maybe it's lost some meaning. So Jesus is my fill in the blank, because it's very personal. Praise God, Jesus becomes very personal. Is that constant companion and that that person? that changes our lives. Amen? Invite us to uh, pray now. Our loving and gracious God, as we we think about the many ways in which you are described in the Bible, and we think about our own lives, we ask that you would help us articulate for ourselves who you are, and that we may live into that metaphor and acknowledge you in all your ways and how you love us.
0: We ask these things in the name of Christ.